Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, choir. Wonderful, wonderful ministry. Great presence of the Lord here. I do appreciate all who've come to the conference. We're going to have a tremendous week uh, this week. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. It was a number of years ago when uh, John Holland, who was a Southwest District Supervisor, preached in one of our Bible conferences. And the sermon that he preached, he compared our fellowship with Joseph's coat of many colors. When he used that symbolism, he was referring to the wonderful blessing that the youngest son of Jacob had as his father gave him favoritism and loved him greatly. I'm sure he loved all of the family. But the uh, life of Joseph was one that God had a tremendous destiny for as the youngest son. And his father had given him a coat of many colors. And when he did that, uh, there's a symbolism that was far greater that played out in his life than just simply a coat of many colors. Not only did his father favor him, but if you read his life, you'll find out that God favored him. This passage in Genesis 49 is one of the most profound passages in the Bible. It is a blessing and a prophecy that Jacob pronounced over his 12 sons. These prophecies are still being played out as you and I are sitting in this uh, tent tonight. Now, I often wonder about prophecy. I know that prophecy foretells or talks about what's going to happen in the future, and uh, I've often wondered if there's not more than just simply foretelling or telling what's going to come, but if there's not a dimension of spiritual dynamic that God brings forth in prophecy and in blessing that empowers and enables and moves that prophecy along. And I want to talk about that tonight as we talk about the coat of many colors. Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arm of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father, who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. 
Blessings of the deep uh, that lies beneath. Blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled uh, the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound uh, of the everlasting hill. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate uh, from his brethren. I want to talk to you about the coat of many colors. I want to talk to you, first of all, about the sovereignty of God. If you have not pondered or you're unaware of the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God is a uh, truth uh, that is in the Scripture that has profound ramifications uh, for you and I that are seated in this place uh, tonight. Many people make a mistake, and that mistake is that we thought this up, and uh, we thought this is a wonderful idea. You can plant churches. You get a pyramid, uh, a pyramid scheme going. The next thing you know, people are sending you money. I mean, it's wonderful. You can gather a great crowd. They think we thought this up. I want to tell you something. God gives us the sovereignty of God, and this fellowship tonight is a work of God. Can you say amen? This fellowship is a work of God. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, known to God from eternity are all his works. What a profound statement. We often sing the chorus, how great is our God, or variations of the greatness of God. I want to tell you that human speech has no ability to describe what I've just read in those two short sentences that are there. In the book of Ephesians 1 verse 11, in him, Jesus, also we've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So here we see the sovereignty of God. We did not think this up. We saw what God was doing, and as we saw what God was doing, we joined with God, and as a result of that, this wonderful work God has raised up around the world, of which this is just one small portion. There is a maxim, and that maxim is that if you want success in life, you find out what God is doing, and you join with Him in the wonderful enterprise which He is doing. And we want to ponder that for a moment, because this is demonstrated in these words spoken about Joseph. Look at verse 22, and the Bible says, Joseph is a fruitful bough. Now, I want to tell you that not every bough is fruitful. Can you say amen? Here it draws a picture. Here is a tree, a fruit tree. It is planted by a well. Its roots have gone down. They've tapped on to that permanent water source and flourishes above other trees that perhaps are planted. And he says, this man, Joseph, he prophesies this, is a fruitful bough. He's like a fruitful bough, like a well, whose branches hang over the wall. People passing by on the street reach up and pull off and chew on that as they go along. Say, thank God. God, people planted a tree. So as we ponder this for a moment, uh, he prophesies and says that God's blessing uh, prevailed. Joseph was attacked by his brothers, if you remember. The Bible says that they hated him. 
the Bible says that they were, they were upset because of the destiny that God had revealed and was working in him. And God enabled this man to have a tremendous victory in his life. Listen to verse 23 and 4. The archer, archers have bitterly uh, grieved him, uh, shot at him, and hated him, uh, but his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong uh, by the hands uh, of the mighty God uh, of Jacob. Here's Joseph. He's betrayed uh, by his own brothers. He's sold uh, into the hands of slave traders. They uh, sell him to Potiphar. Uh, He's there in Egypt uh, as a slave. Uh, they accused him falsely, uh, and uh, this man uh, is put in prison. Uh, and so all of this is fulfilled and described in this passage. Uh, but there is a blessing uh, that comes upon him. Uh, and in spite of the, uh, of the assault, in spite of what came against him, in spite of the betrayal, in spite of the false accusation, this man has a blessing of God upon him and he has dominion that flows out in his life. You see, fruitfulness is a blessing from God. Think about that with me for a moment. We're not talking about skills. We're not talking about slick maneuvers. We're not talking about brilliant schemes. We're talking about a blessing of God that comes upon a life and God bless this man and this man has a testimony written that because of God's blessing, dominion came upon him and he prevailed according to the scripture. 1970, the Jesus movement began to minister and began to prevail. That Jesus movement began to bring thousands of young people into a, an exposure with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This happened all over America and many places in the world. We simply opened our hearts and embraced that. And God began to move and many concepts began to work and begin to be expressed. There's a man that's name is Charles Finney. He made a statement, and the statement he made, he says, a revival is no more an accident than a wheat harvest is an accident. Well, yes and no. Because John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 37 and 38, Jesus said, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So there is a part then that man plays that is true. But I want to tell you that unless God moves, can you say amen? amen. Unless God breathes upon Unless God reaches down, uh, you can have all the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 dynamics, you can have all the methodology, you can have all the programs that you want, uh, you can have all the mechanics, uh, but you will be barren uh, because God uh, must move. It's very interesting in the process of time watching individuals. I've seen many individuals, they were very uh, skilled in speech. Uh, they were very smooth uh, uh, in their ability. But I want to tell you, there's something that must prevail, uh, and that which must prevail is the blessing of God. Uh, and unless God moves, uh, whatever you build will be short-lived. Uh, whatever little success you have, uh, it will not prevail uh, 
but God must move because fruitfulness is a blessing of God. Now I want to bring you to a moment beyond the sovereignty of God because in all that is involved in, in, in genuine Christian work, sovereignty from God plays a part. But there's another factor I want to consider with you for a moment, uh, and these are the decisions uh, that trigger that blessing and sovereignty of God uh, in human beings. Every person uh, in this building, you know the story of Joseph, he's a, a slave in Potiphar's house, and uh, Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph, he's a red-blooded, young, good-looking Jewish boy, she uh, keeps trying to get him to have sex with her, uh, uh, she wears these silk, uh, no bra jobs, uh, and uh, uh, she's coming around trying to turn this boy on, uh, you know the story, uh, and uh, I want to tell you something this, uh, this evening, Every person sitting in this building, male and female, you're going to have a Potiphar moment. You're going to have to make a Potiphar decision. This may not always be about sex. It may be about money, as Pastor Camel has ably said tonight. But you're going to have in your life a Potiphar decision, and those Potiphar decisions are going to be in different arenas, in different places, from time to time, but you're going to have to make a decision in those Potiphar moments, and it's going to be a moral decision just as Joseph made. Someone has written very ably that there's five main temptations that pastors have. Five G's. Girls, green, gold, glory, and guns. Or is it golf? Maybe it's six G's. Without giving elaboration to those, all of those play into every human being, male or female, and the decision that is made concerning these or like decisions uh, will play into what your future and your destiny is going to be and it's going to determine whether you're going to not only be fruitful but whether you're going to have the destiny that God has ordained uh, for you. Look at verse 22 with me. The God of your fathers uh, will uh, help you. You see, when we choose for God, God comes on the scene. Let me say that again. You are going to have a Potiphar moment. This may be tonight. It may be next week. It may be next year, should Jesus tarry. But you're going to have Potiphar moments in your life that involve a moral dimension of some kind. And when you choose for God, God comes on the scene. Now, let's make a, a statement here. This statement is not, as original, uh, is not original with me. But when we make those decisions, God uh, begins to be free uh, to do what he needs to do. And let's be very careful to analyze this tonight uh, because God is working in unseen ways. I preached yesterday morning. I'm going to make some statements I made uh, uh, there in the, uh, in the 40th anniversary in our church. God is at work. How many of you believe God is at work? God is at work in planet Earth. You may not be able to see that at the moment. Uh, you may put, turn these lights as bright as you can get them and leave them alone. Amen. You may not be able to see that, uh, 
But uh, I want to tell you that God is at work. Uh, he is powerfully at work. Uh, and one poet has written a very interesting statement. says, for while the tired waves uh, vainly breaking uh, seem here no painful inch to gain, far back through the creeks and inlets making, making comes silent flooding in the main. Now, if you've ever been on a seacoast uh, uh, and sat and watched the waves come in and come in and come in, uh, you do not immediately see the tide, which is talking about here, but there are time frames uh, when that tide is moving in, whether you can see it or whether you cannot, uh, but far back, it says, in the inlets, uh, these uh, forces are working uh, in the water. This is true about God. God may not be doing what you can measure at the moment, but I'm going to tell you, God is at work in planet Earth. Uh, he is at work in your ministry. He is at work in my ministry. Uh, he is constantly at work around the Earth, uh, and you need to understand that uh, and work with that uh, tonight. Listen to this quote. This is very, very powerful. I've used this before. We cannot kindle when we will the fire that in the heart resides the Spirit bloweth and is still, in mystery our soul abides. But tasked in hours of insight willed, can be through hours of gloom fulfilled. So what determines this now, this evening, is our self-will. We make a decision in life, and those decisions concerning self-will, self-gratification, self-exaltation, various facets that work in life, and we can either submit to those, surrender to those, or we can surrender to the will of God. Can you say amen? Whether we are, are, are doing that or whether we're not doing that is going to determine what the course of life is going to be. Jesus made a statement, and in this statement, uh, he said, this is the way you ought to pray. You say these words, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he makes some very interesting statements. It has to do with, uh, give us this day your daily bread. Now, we love that one. Can you say amen? That means money. Lord, give us this day money. That's what we're really saying. But he also put some other statements in there, and one of the most powerful that we want to ponder tonight is, uh, your will be done on earth uh, as it is uh, in heaven. And here in this scripture lies uh, the destiny that's going to be set to you this week. You're going to make some decisions this week. And uh, someone has written a tremendous statement that every decision we make in life is a God decision. Let me say that again. Every decision in life is a God decision. It is either a decision in the will of God where we're going to submit and surrender our own self-will or we're going to surrender to God's will. Every decision of life is a God decision, and you're going to make those decisions tonight and throughout this week. Seek ye first, the Bible says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So what we must do this evening as we're sitting in this place is that we must decide 
what our role is in life uh, and submit to that uh, and respond uh, to the call uh, of God. In the book of Esther, uh, Greg Mitchell preached uh, very ably, and you get that set of tapes of the uh, celebration yesterday. He preached about Esther, and in Esther 4 and verse 14, these words come and are made, and the words that are spoken are words that will determine whether you and I are going to obey God or not obey God, and it's a realization of your role in life. Listen to this. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. As you're sitting here this evening, I know that uh, you're uh, sincere in heart. Many of you have come to this conference and uh, you don't realize uh, that God is going to bushwhack you tonight. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is powerfully working in this place. Some of you are sitting there and in your mind you're thinking to yourself, uh, Here am I, Lord. Send Joe Camel. You see, conferences are aimed at a certain uh, 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 conclusion, and that is to change you from the time you step foot on this property to the time you leave so that you can obey the will of God. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. I said God is at work in planet Earth. Last conference, we had the wonderful privilege of launching uh, Michael and Yolanda Stamper into Kathmandu, Nepal. Now, many of you uh, probably have the idea that we were, uh, that, as I said yesterday, that we, we're, we spend our time in Prescott spinning the globe around like a roulette wheel and uh, poop right there. Okay, that, yeah, that's it. But I want to tell you, God is at work. Most of you do not know that uh, the threads of that decision were being uh, streamed by God. We have uh, Lisa Mitchell, who is married to Carl uh, and uh, her brother in uh, Perth, West Australia. Uh, Carl is married to Gita, who is a Nepalese. And uh, several streams began to come together before the last conference. We didn't sit here and all of a sudden uh, a voice came out of uh, Nepal. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, Lord, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> they have relatives in Kathmandu. There are people that began to attend from Nepal a refugee camp back in uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, while I was still in Australia last year, uh, Corey Mammon called me and he said, Pastor, uh, these people, what do I do? Do I tell them, line up, uh, give an oath to the potter's house, or out of here? What, what am I going to do? I said, well, settle down, you know, Corey. You just uh, uh, be kind. <laughs> you need to capture them. To capture them, you need to maneuver. And so I uh, talked to that. He's a good, uh, good very good pastor, and uh, he captured a large number of those. Eric Kramer, uh, back in New York began to get a visitation of these. Several churches uh, began to get a visitation of the Nepalese uh, who had been uh, in refugees up in Bhutan uh, 
But uh, the world, uh, uh, they would not let them come back into Nepal, but the world opened refugees for them, and they're in several nations of the world. Uh, many of them uh, are in the United States of America. Bob Mammon went to preach in India, and uh, he thought he'd just drop back through Nepal, Kathmandu, Nepal. I mean, everybody does that when you're traveling. I think I'll just go up to Nepal. He dropped by, met a man, and this man said, well, we could get you in uh, to Nepal. Uh, there's a, 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 a lovely lady that's a pastor's wife in Canada, a Megan Petrakowski. She caught me last year out in the parking lot and said, Pastor, I've got an uncle in Nepal, and uh, he uh, does some orphanage work. And uh, so all this stuff, I begin to hear about all this stuff. Uh, and right in the middle of that, while this is all working, uh, Mike and Yolanda Stamper, Mike came to me and he said, Pastor, uh, uh, we, we feel like we want to go overseas. Anywhere. You just tell us where. You don't want to ask that. And I said, how about Nepal? Where's Nepal? We, we're over there. <laughs> See, the reason I'm telling you that is that God is at work. And when you begin to make a decision that you're going to surrender your life to God and do His will, those decisions are eternal decisions. They are God decisions. And God is waiting for a multitude of people in this tent to say, Yes, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I will do. That's where I will go. That's what I will give. That's what I will pray because this is the key to fruitfulness and the coat of many colors. I want to conclude for a moment. I want to think with you about the destiny that is ahead for you and I in this play. There is a vivid imagery that is in this verse of Scripture that you need to write down and ponder this very seriously. In this statement, there is a statement made unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. Now, this is a, a profound statement. You can wrestle with that. I've preached about that. I've uh, pondered about that. Uh, and uh, there are numbers of things that are involved in that. One uh, is horizons uh, that reach to eternity and beyond is what's spoken about there. Now, you and I can think, you know, the Bible says uh, beyond uh, uh, all that you even ask or think. But, you know, we think a lot. Can you say amen? We, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could, uh, but see what God says. Uh, uh, far beyond the horizons that you see, I have a purpose for you. I'm at work in that purpose. And uh, what I'm talking about is beyond uh, the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, uh, or in other words, what he's saying is, take the limits off, uh, because when you line up with what my purpose is for your life, uh, there are no boundaries. Uh, thank God for that. Can you say amen tonight? There are no boundaries when God begins to get involved. So as we look at this for a moment, Genesis 21, verse 33, then Abraham uh, planted a trans, uh, tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Now, uh, as Greg, I think he might have mentioned yesterday, this is El Olam, the everlasting God. Listen to these words from Adam Clark uh, on that. The everlasting God, El Olam, is therefore 
that name of deity in virtue of which he is the God whose wisdom has divided all time and eternity into the mystery of successive ages or dispensations. It is not merely that he is everlasting, but he is God over everlasting things. Think about this for a moment because in this passage of Scripture there is a dynamic that is powerfully at work. In this dynamic is God taking off the limits, an unlimited potential for the future of those who will believe God. And the inference here is that there's boundaries that can be transcended or gone beyond. And that's a statement that is there. And I want to think with you about Joseph's coat of many colors. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 14, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. So think of this for a moment because God is at work to perpetuate what he has begun and what he will conclude with. Thank God for that. We said this is a work of God. Can you say amen? I said this is a work of God. This is a work of God. And what God has began, he will continue to do that because he is the God who will break the barriers and break the limits that are there. And the kingdom of God always has new horizons. I want to bring to you a point. And the hinge pin of this entire statement is separation. Think with me for a moment uh, about those words. Uh, separation uh, is a dirty word in our, in our generation. Can you say amen? amen? To think that you are separated uh, from the religious world uh, who wants to all get in bed with the horror of Babylon means that you're going to be branded uh, is that you're not cooperating. You think that you are elite. You think that you're better than someone else. You have all the... But I want to tell you, I want you to look, look at that word there, who was separate from his brethren, because that is a specific word, and the hinge pin of what God will do rests upon that word. Joseph was separate from his brethren. He was not separate because he wanted to be elite. He was not separate because he was in rebellion. He was separate, number one, because he believed the vision that God gave him in his dreams. Can you say amen? See, you can have all the dynamics, you can have all the methodology that you want, but I've come to understand that unless you believe God, it doesn't matter. What's the difference between a guy who can stand up and ooh, he smooths him around? What's the difference between him and Steve Lynch? There's nothing wrong with Steve Lynch, but Steve Lynch is like you and I. He's just one of those common guys. How long has it been since you gave an altar call, had 34 people saved? How long has it been since you got uh, mad at God and got out and, and started knocking on doors and had nine people saved? Are you, are you following me? How'd that come to pass? Because Steve Lynch 
has something inside him that wants to believe God. Can you say amen? And we have specialized in trying to find the Steve Lynch's and send them into the harvest fields. And thank God we have many that have gone that pathway separate from the religious world. When we began to plant churches, we had to go our own direction. We made a decision. That decision had to do with the education of our pastors. It had to do with the training of our pastors. It had to do with a local church giving it dignity. And we as a fellowship made a decision that we're going to do what God called us to do. That's crucial. Many of you have no idea of the dynamics that were back in those decisions, but God miraculously protected us in the period of time. There was a little queer who was a cult expert named Rick Ross. He decided he's going to destroy us. He assaulted us. He came, caused a great besmirching. Uh, uh, how, many, how long has it been since you heard of Rick Ross? There was another man who Rick Ross triggered. His name was Dan Rather. Anybody remember Dan Rather? You remember Dan used to be Rather? You remember him? He did a national hit piece on us. Got me preaching at a crusade, put words and, and so on and so forth, the slow motion, uh, and did a hit piece. Uh, where's Dan at? Are you still with me? We're talking about God. God has a purpose. God has an aim. And as God is in moving in our lives, uh, he has gloriously protected us. We had a horrible split in 1990. We had men who blindsided us. We thought uh, that they were with us forever, blindsided us, caused a horrible split. Uh, uh, we lost uh, uh, several hundred churches uh, that went their way. Uh, we had another split in 2001 uh, and uh, probably a few little splinterings in between that, but we're still here. Can you say amen? I don't say that as a point of pride. I say that because God is doing a work. Uh, and I could, uh, uh, I could uh, fill uh, the next three hours telling you sad stories of people uh, who uh, have gone their own way. And it will happen again if Jesus tarries. In the book of Acts chapter 20, 29 and 30, For I know this, that after my departure, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. Uh, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples uh, after themselves. Uh, but think with me for a moment, uh, forgetting all of that, think with me what God can do. Oh, thank God. Can you say amen? What God can do. What God can do is take uh, a little couple uh, who uh, don't really understand all that's involved, uh, begin to move by the Holy Spirit in their heart, uh, begin to give them a vision for other places, other cities, uh, other nations, uh, raise them up uh, because God has a purpose and he has a destiny for this fellowship and for the people that are in this fellowship. We need to give God praise for that as we realize that.
What a wonderful encouragement in this passage of Scripture. There's both prophecy, foretelling, telling what's going to happen to these 12 boys, but there also is spiritual dynamic to bring to pass that which God has spoken about these boys, some of it still being worked out today. Moses stood on Mount Pisgah across the Jordan River from the Dead Sea. God said to him, climb up on top of this mountain and I want you to look north, south, east, and west. All that you see, I'm going to give to this people. Oh, I want to tell you, I feel that insight. Think with me for a moment. These were people exactly like you and I who God had touched with a divine calling and a divine purpose. And I want to tell you that much of that has been fulfilled. Even the miracle of the restoration of that people back to the land in 1948 and will yet be fulfilled. But I want to go beyond that for a moment. As you and I are sitting in this building tonight in the opening conference uh, service and sermon, I want you to stand on Pisgah's Mount with me. Think with me for a moment what God can do. Not what you can do. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm not talking about what I can do. I'm talking about what God can do. Because that's the issue here. It was God who laid his hand upon the youngest son and said, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And it came to pass, and if you read Genesis 50, the Bible says God's purpose was in that, to save many people alive. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Please, in reverence to God, this is a Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one. On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. 
Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.